It's crucial that hospitals, clinics and schools are not targeted during conflicts. If only she had access to regular medication or could visit a clinic, she could have lived longer. It's against international law to target health facilities during conflict. And yet in recent months, several notable hospitals have been attacked by military regime forces. What does that mean for locals and internally displaced people in those areas? Hello and welcome to Do'othan, a weekly podcast that brings you human rights stories from Myanmar. It's brought to you by Fondacion Hirondel. This episode is produced by a journalist from Frontier Myanmar. Names may have been changed to protect contributors. On 25th of April this year, the Myanmar military launched airstrikes on Sangkwe Hospital in Pekon Township, southern Shan State. Five people were injured, including a young woman who had just given birth. She died of her injuries about a week later. Macheri and her mother Do Amu were caught up in that attack. Their family are farm workers, but they've been displaced for over a year by ongoing conflicts in eastern Pekon. 62-year-old Do Amu was a regular visitor to Sangpui Hospital as she had various health conditions, including kidney disease, an enlarged heart, hypertension and arthritis. On that day, Macheri and Do Amu were trapped in the hospital as the planes roared overhead, reportedly dropping at least 10 bombs. They managed to survive the attack, but after the hospital was destroyed, Do Amu was unable to get the vital treatment she needed and she passed away two weeks later. Marcheri is still mourning the loss. She couldn't sleep or eat. She couldn't even walk properly. Then she lost her appetite and didn't eat at all. She lost interest. If only she had access to regular medication or could visit a clinic, she could have lived longer. I think she became depressed because she was battling multiple illnesses and there was no hospital. Before the coup, Saumpui Hospital was just a village clinic, established by local residents to address the needs of the community. But after the coup, it expanded to deal with the extra needs of internally displaced people in three camps set up nearby. The camps hosted an influx of IDPs from Demoso, Pekon, Mobie and surrounding areas. Residents and IDPs relied heavily on Sangpui Hospital, which had the capacity to treat around 1,500 outpatients and inpatients monthly. One of the people in charge of the hospital, Usai Ang, said all hospital services have come to a halt due to the bombing. Getting health care in the current situation is a huge challenge for everyone here, both locals and IDPs. There are no organizations that can provide medical assistance. Even our organization has been forced to halt operations because of aerial attacks. It's a major concern. No one has access to health care in this whole area. Like Ma Hanyin, when Dothan spoke to her, she was heavily pregnant. Before the hospital was attacked, she used to go for weekly prenatal checkups, but she can't get these anymore. 
Like many people, she doesn't dare to travel to clinics and hospitals further away because of the conflict. And she was facing the prospect of giving birth with no qualified emergency help around. I'm really worried about giving birth. There are no doctors or nurses available right now, which makes me even more anxious. Then I'm concerned about potential issues for the newborn like jaundice and high fever. Ma Hanyin is also worried about health care for her toddler, who frequently falls ill. I can't even think. It's incredibly difficult for me. My daughter often needs hospital care because she got diarrhea, a runny nose, and chest congestion. She sometimes needs to inhale oxygen through a nasal cannula. I'm worried about her and myself. Pekon, located on the border of Shan State and Kaya State, used to have other clinics and a cottage hospital. But after the coup, the healthcare system deteriorated. Some medics joined the Civil Disobedience Movement, or CDM, and when armed resistance to the coup began, the military imposed restrictions on the transport of medical supplies to conflict areas. But aerial and ground attacks by the military on health facilities have deprived many people of any access to health care at all. Since the coup and up to May this year, there have been 943 reported attacks on health workers and health services. That's according to Insecurity Insight. The majority of these attacks took place in the Upper Zagain region and Kaya State. In these areas, mobile medicine has become one of the few options. Dr. Nan Nguyen is a CDM doctor offering medical care in Palais Township, Zagain region. He and other medics work on the go, always on the alert for possible attacks, including from the air. Once the airplane takes us from Novastan Regional Military Headquarters, we flee. We evacuate as many patients as we can to see places nearby. We always pack at all our essential medical tools. We get round or air attacks at least once every two months. We take our patients and gear, including over-the-counter medicine, to secret hideouts. It's crazy, but that's our everyday routine, delivering healthcare on the go, using whatever means necessary. According to international law, medical facilities should never be targeted during military operations. It's also forbidden under international law to use hospitals for military purposes. The junta made no statement on the aerial bombing of Sangpui Hospital. But the pro-military People Media claimed that local resistance fighters had set up camp there. Usai Aung categorically denied this. In another incident less than a week beforehand, the military used helicopter gunships to attack the Maji Khan Hospital in Miaing Township on the border of Zagaing and Maguay regions. The hunter afterwards claimed to have seized magazines, weapons and explosives belonging to resistance forces from the hospital. But Utin Aung, a senior hospital official, said these are false allegations. He insists the hospital is a neutral space for all. We're committed to providing medical treatment to anyone who comes to our hospital, including injured police officers or soldiers. 
It's crucial that hospitals, clinics and schools are not targeted during conflicts. Attacking these institutions causes great harm to the people. It's vital for the international community to effectively address these issues. Mani Maung is the Myanmar researcher at Human Rights Watch. She says reports so far suggest the resistance forces were not using these hospitals for military purposes. Therefore, these attacks appear to be war crimes. But she says both sides have a responsibility to protect civilians. Even if the PDF are there, even if they are using these facilities, it's still required by the military under international um, law that they give enough warning for civilians to be able to get out of the place. Um, And it doesn't appear that they have done this, um, but it also is required of the PDF not just the military nod, the PDF as well, they have to take precautions um, to avoid harming civilians. So they have to make sure that they are not using places where there are many civilians present. Majikan Hospital in Myang served as a crucial healthcare facility for residents from three townships. It's not currently open. Utin Aung is depressed about the prospects for reopening and about the healthcare options for people in the area. Thinking about healthcare makes my heart sink. To be honest, we are reluctant to take on the big risk of reopening the hospital here. I think asking for assistance from doctors and healthcare workers will be very difficult. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Doathan. You can listen to our podcast via the Doathan Facebook page. It can also be found on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes. You can also listen every Saturday night from 9 to 10 p.m. and Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on Voice of America Radio. The project to support human rights reporting is delivered by Fondacion Hirondel and it's made with the support of our donors. 